0: From our
1: 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Hello, I'm here with Bill Van Niekirken, librarian for the San Francisco Chronicle. We've worked together at the Chronicle for 15 years, but we also had a bond because we both worked at the Burlingame Public Library and both went to Burlingame High School where Bill had my dad as a teacher. Uh, do you remember what class it was, Bill, and what grade you got? I think it was Algebra one. And I got either a B or a C, which
0: which is pretty good back then.
1: Yeah, I got a B from my dad too in physics. So uh, my dad's still around; he's very active, probably on a biking or ski trip right yeah. now. So
0: I think he was. I think he coached. Was it football?
1: Like Briefly, yes. Football back then. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Phil Hartlob. Um, we're here for the first Archives Live episode of the big event, and we're going to focus on the first Giants opening day in 1958. This was the era of Seal Stadium, Russ Hodges, and Bye Bye Baby. Market, you're a fan of I still like that song, Bill. It holds up. It, yes,
0: they it, it, they still play it when there's a home run and. Um... I remember listening to it on KSFO back, back when I was a kid. I mean, very few games were on, were
1: on TV, so you basically listened to the game on the radio. Yeah, from 1961, I think that song was. We're going to talk about Giants baseball, specifically opening day in 1958, which had, in my opinion, the greatest headline in Chronicle history. Bill, what is that? We murder the bums. We murder the bums. We'll talk about that and more. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to the big event, Bill Van Niekirken, and I say welcome because this is your home. We're in the archive. I do spend a lot of time down here looking for photos and refiling photos. Yeah, this is your place, and we're going to talk about the first San Francisco Giants opening day in 1958. We have reader questions. I got a bunch of great reader questions off Twitter. Oh, great. um, Which is fun because social media, I've found, has been a really good partner for the archive and you can post photos there and get a good response. But first I wanna talk about the archive. Um, I make passing reference to it all the time in these podcasts, because I built the studio in our photo archive. We have two archives, photo archive and a negatives and microfish archive. Um, but I feel like you're the one who should talk about the archive. I've never really gotten into it. So I wanted to ask you, this archive, has in some form been at the Chronicle probably since the building was built in, was it 1924? Yeah, 1923, 24, I think is
0: when they moved into this building here at this location. It used to be on Market Street, I guess about 3rd Street. Yeah. Yeah, and um, um, I'm not sure how long the photo archives have lasted, but um, I know that it's got to be since before TV started because – uh, we have TV stills from 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 uh, programs like I Love Lucy and Jack Benny, and the TV stills are filed under radio TV yeah. because of course radio came first.
1: Yeah, and and that's a unique many unique things about searching for stuff around here. But a lot of times you're searching for things, and it's under the parlance of the 1940s or 1930s. I tell people um, as far as the negatives are concerned, it seems like you know we have glass negatives. From right after the nineteen oh six earthquake, but for the most part, our negatives start right in the mid thirties, mid late thirties,
0: late thirties, definitely.
1: But down here with the photos, I found I find photos from the nineteen tens. I found we're going to talk about baseball today. I found baseball players who played in the nineteen twenties.
0: That's true, and um, at the nineteen, I think the nineteen fifteen World's Fair, a, a famous uh, uh, flyer. Flew at that fair, and we have a photo of that. Mm. So I know it goes back to at least 1915.
1: So, what, What's your day-to-day like? I mean, do you, do you ever get tired of being down here, and do you ever feel like you know what's here and you've found it all? Definitely not.
0: Definitely not. I'm, I'm finding new stuff all the time. I'm learning something new all the time. I mean, there are certain um, topics like the 49ers that, you know, I feel, I'm almost getting to where I feel like I've seen every photo. But like with the giants that, that, you know, where where their heyday goes farther back, um, there's still a lot to, to discover. And, you know, I just recently found some, some negatives from the, the, the Sutra baths that were from the 50s. And it was the first time I'd seen Chronicle photos from inside. Yeah. So that was a real fun find.
1: Let's talk about a few fun finds just in the last few years. I think the biggest one, I mean, it was one of, if not the biggest, uh, 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 traffic driver at sfchronicle.com from a couple years ago was you found photos of the last waltz, the well, band's concert at, at Winterland. I found negatives. Yeah, negatives. And they had been
0: misfiled somewhere, I'm guessing somewhere in the 1980s. And I found them in, in a Bread and Roses show um, that featured Joni Mitchell and B.B. King. Yeah. And I found but a hundred negatives. It's yeah. just a fantastic find.
1: And this is, I mean, probably the greatest concert, certainly in, you know, the last century in San Francisco. I mean, in, in terms of notoriety and popularity and um and just misfiled, found them out of yeah. the blue one day. When Scorsese did a movie of yeah. it. So that just goes to show you how
0: what sort of um, staying power they thought yeah. that that concert would have. And just and just the lineup. Of Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, the band themselves—it was just—it was—it was just a real all-star show. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I tell people there's like a kid on Christmas feeling when I'm down here, and and there have been times, you know, I, I now set an alarm when I'm down here if I have to be somewhere because there were times early on when I would come down here thinking I was here for 20 minutes and it was two hours. I mean, you can get lost down here. A couple finds just in the last few years that I've had is, um, the Grateful Dead. I I just got a kind of a tip that they had played a debutante ball and these photos had not been seen since 1965 because they were not filed under the Grateful Dead. They were filed under the debutante's names. Um, at the time the debutantes were more famous than the Grateful Dead and, um, I mean, they're in the background. I mean, you, you have the photos, These there'd be these socialites in Hillsborough in the foreground posing for a photo, and Jerry Garcia and and uh, Bob Weir in the and, background playing.
0: And it's a great shot. Pink pen. Yeah. They are, they're at the organ. It's, those are That is one of my favorite finds. Yeah.
1: Well, we're going to answer more questions later. Uh, uh, the, the readers gave us some great archive-related questions, but I wanted to talk about opening day in 1958 because... Uh, we're at opening day for the Giants now. You and I are both Giants fans, and I think opening day in 1958 is extremely special. Once you start looking at the photos and looking at the articles that came out and the history of it, your thoughts?
0: Well, it was the very first Major League Baseball game on the West Coast. Yeah, and it and it was and it featured these two longtime rivals. Who were two of the mainstays of baseball? You know that the Giants and the Dodgers, you know, had a long history in New York. Their their rival rivalry was storied, and mm-hmm. um, um, and San Francisco ran with it. I mean, we, you know, you know, back in May of '57, the sports uh the, the a sports headline referred to the Dodgers as the Bums. Yeah. So so San Francisco got right into it. <laughs>
1: Now they had been playing at the Polo Grounds and Ebbets Field respectively the year before. Right. And then the Giants in 1957 kind of suddenly um we start hearing in the Chronicle that maybe we're going to get a baseball team. Have have you seen those articles?
0: Oh yes I have. Um part of the part of the deal was that 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 attendance was down in for for both those those two teams and um uh, and, of course, you know, they, they had to compete with, with the Yankees in New York. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, and, and I guess pay television was starting to, to to become a power in, in sports. And I think pay television had a lot to do with, with the teams moving out here. Mm-hmm. But,
1: now, but, but still, I mean, we weren't considered a huge market. There was a lot of talk, can San Francisco support a baseball team? Um, and the Dodgers, you had to find recently that it wasn't just the Dodgers who were talking about coming out. Well, actually, it,
0: this was a rumor that ran in an afternoon paper here in San Francisco that, that the Red Sox were coming to San Francisco instead of the Giants. And that the Dodger or Los Angeles was going to get either the Baltimore Orioles or the Washington Senators. Yeah. But uh, people in Boston quickly dispelled that rumor. They said, we're not leaving Boston. And
1: and, and and that rumor died pretty quick. So 1957, we find out we're going to get the Giants. And a uh, huge headline right now. You're holding it up. Um, like declaring war type of headline, which was very common at, at the Chronicle at the time. SF gets Giants in bargain pact. Um, and that's it. We've got a baseball team. That's right. Not long after that, another of my all-time favorite photos that we've found in the chronicle um they send an ambassador out a uh, man named Willie Mays oh, yeah. the the first giant to come out and still in 1957 have him go to Seal Stadium he's in a suit and um uh suddenly they put on this SF hat on him and have him taking swings in the field while uh, all of the, the baseball writers are questioning him and the baseball editors there. And, uh, and he's running sprints. He's running sprints <laughs> in his slacks and dress shoes. Yeah. You know, they throw a jersey on him and a hat. Mm-hmm. And extremely affable. I mean, he's clearly going to be, you know, a great quote. And, you know, to this day, it's 2018, and he's still this absolutely integral part of the Giants. Right. He's a true ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 1957 but um there aren't a lot of preseason games there aren't any preseason games at seal stadium i don't know where the team was working out um well they flew in from omaha they flew in from omaha Uh. two days before opening day Mm -hmm. on a plane and then the day before opening day have a parade right um No one was expecting very much about this parade. It's it's an unusual parade in San Francisco history in that it wasn't just Market Street or Montgomery and Market, but it kind of winded its way. I think I measured it. It was over two miles winding its way around some of the neighborhoods and then finishing off uh, downtown. We have those photos, too. And describe this scene to me, Bill.
0: Well, there's a lot of um, people... Uh, watching the parade. Uh, they're basically the Giants are in cars, uh, convertibles, and it's driving down. It looks like Powell Street, but mm-hmm. it might be far. It 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 might be Grant. I'm not sure, but it's driving toward Market Street, and uh, the Giants are there. But it looks like the big star mm-hmm. is
1: uh, Shirley Temple. Yeah. Yeah. Random yeah. Shirley Temple. Black, I think at that point she's not, married. I, I don't think she was married. Yet. I don't think she's married. So yeah. Shirley Temple, uh, San Franciscan. Yeah. She's grown now, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, she's not a small child anymore. Pro- Good Ship Lollipop movie, has right. been a while in the right. past. Right, probably hasn't
0: been movies in years, but yeah. you know, but I guess a big star. Yeah, you know? but so. she's
1: in the parade, and this mm-hmm. parade is uh, ten deep downtown, mm-hmm. four hundred pounds of confetti. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie Mays and all of the stars of the team are are coming down, and I'm I'm imagining. I'd love to interview him someday, but I'm imagining they were just thrilled. I read somewhere that they
0: had to to get as much confetti as they as they were going to use. They had to go outside the Bay Area to to, to buy more confetti. To buy more confetti. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they may have bought all the confetti available in, in the state of California. So nice. Yeah.
1: Um. So good start, but they've got to play a game. Um, coming in, Dodgers are going to come up. It's the first West Coast game, as you mentioned. And Giants and Dodgers are not super similar. The Giants have Willie Mays, and then no one else at the time anyone can name. Right. Lots of guys who would be
0: stars later. Yeah.
1: Like like Bill White and Orlando Cepeda. Rookie Orlando Cepeda. Right. Yes. Um, Ruben Gomez, a small, uh, we have a group photo of them right before they started playing. And it's, he's a, you know, one of the smallest guys on the field, skinny, and he's going to be our starting pitcher against the Dodgers with, uh, Bob Gibson, Pee Wee Reese. They had Pee Wee Reese, they had Duke Snyder. Duke Snyder. They,
0: they had two guys who would become better later. Um, uh, Don, Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax, but, but. But those guys hadn't found out how to pitch yet, you know. their yeah. their Their ERAs for that season would would be in the fours. Yeah,
1: but Drysdale the season before went seventeen and nine with like a two point six nine ERA. So oh, well, he's he had he in a his bad second year. He, year yeah. he, I mean, he's coming off a good year. The Giants are huge underdogs coming into this, yeah. and also there's still that question. Despite the parade, seventy two degree weather in the Mission at Seal Stadium, across from the Hams Brewery, I think. I think it was Hams at that point. Yes, yeah, so it was. Yeah.
0: yeah, we have that that famous photo of them all lined up before the game, and you can see the brewery sign in the background.
1: Yeah, but I mean, we're the underdogs, and no one knows what's going to happen. And then, what has to be the first, not just the first game in Giants history, but the first great game in Giants history. I just think it's it's it's
0: it's funny that you know they they have all these. Guys who can with a lot of power, like Felipe Lu, Orlando Cepeda, Willie Mays, and the first home run on the West Coast would be hit by Daryl Spencer, <laughs> yeah. the, the shortstop. Yeah, I mean later on, Orlando Cepeda would also hit a home run, but um, but the Giants would just dominate, and and Ruben Gomez would, would pitch a complete game shutout. So it was a re- it was a
1: really nice win for the Giants. I loved reading the stories because they focused on. Um, how and it's not something you think about, but there were no grizzled old Giants fans there. If they were, they had come from New York. This is a populace that doesn't know much about baseball. Well, well, well they know the seals.
0: Though, yeah, though the seals hadn't been drawing well for several years.
1: Yeah, but it's not a, it's not a baseball educated community like you would think that San Francisco is yeah. now. Right. Yeah, I, I have a couple of. Uh, things that I just picked out, but one of my favorites, it was actually from the day after, Dodgers had one San Francisco native on the field, Gino Simoli, right. Uh, who, and I love this, this just, just says what a different time this is, who gets beamed on the second day um, in the helmet. He's okay, but hits the ground. He's not a big guy. And uh, native San Francisco from North Beach, Italian, his father, Abramo, Somoli, a night supervisor for PG&E, jumps over the fence into the field of play to see if his son's okay and then helps him off the field. That's
0: That just doesn't happen anymore.
1: No. And I, <laughs> I think it's a product of the time. It's a different time. Baseball's not quite as big. This is a stadium with 24,000 people. But I think also... Brahmo that might have been one of his first baseball games he had been to at, at at that level, sure, and maybe he just didn't know that's not what you do
0: well, um yeah, the seals weren't drawing very well, and I don't know if Simone played with the you know came up with the seals yeah. but uh yeah no that's uh that, that's that's the way people might respond back
1: then <laughs> uh herb Kane. Uh, groused over the three dollar parking, which when's the last time you've played three dollars to park anywhere? I don't. I, I know this is fifty eight. <laughs> there's inflation, but yeah. you know, and and the tickets were being scalped at the end for fifteen dollars, which again, I, I just don't think the population was used to the fact that you know this was an economy that um, you know there's a supply and demand, and sports can get expensive. I'm guessing the seals games were more like a minor league type of environment where everything was pretty cheap. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What What else did you notice about the day? I mean, as you're reading through these stories, what jumped out at you?
0: Well, it sold out right—you know, people were lined up um, to to buy the tickets. It sold out right away. Um, it it, it just—I'm um, sure a lot of people took the bus to the, to, to the game. That's the nice thing about having a downtown stadium, you know. Most of the games I went to at, at Candlestick I had to drive to, or when I was a kid I took the Greyhound bus to, but uh, this was probably walking distance from, from, from work for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the, as I'm reading through, um, Herb Kane didn't write anything the next day, it was the day after he wrote his big column, but he mentioned all the people walking over to the bars after, including the double play, which... Which is still there. Which is still there. Um, yeah. Whenever I go to KQED, for sometimes I go on the radio there, or go to visit a friend, and um, and I always like walk by the double play. And then if I if I kind of face the double play and look in the window, I can imagine the reflection of SEAL Stadium there. Um, that's one of the and Bill, I know you you and I both probably have a list, but that's one of the places in San Francisco that I'm really sad. I never got to go there and watch a baseball game.
0: Right, right. Um, yeah. So but, I mean, just you know, it. I mean, it must have been so compact. I mean, you must have felt like you were right on the field, and and you could really see all the action.
1: Yeah. Um. And and it, you know, middle of the Mission District. So the weather's probably fantastic. I grew up going to Candlestick Park games. Different experience in terms of uh, the wind and the cold. Um I'm having to think you know now it's a bunch of box stores there's like an office depot and stuff there, and the Hams brewery sign is gone, of course, that building's still there, but it's almost hard to imagine, but when you do start imagining it, you think that's a great place to watch baseball
0: right well, I've been to R- R- wrigley Field, and it's and it's she'll say they must have had a similar feel where yeah. you were right. Right in the city, you could walk to the game, you could stop off in a bar across the street and have a have a beer before the game. you know save save yourself a dime back then because I'm sure I'm sure it was slightly more expensive at the ballpark. But uh, yeah, it must have been a terrific baseball experience. yeah.
1: So they get some hits early. Uh, Ruben Gomez pitches a six hitter. Was it a complete game? I guess it was. Complete game, yeah. which happened back then. It oh, yeah, they had, a, a lot of had a lot of complete <laughs> games back then. It wasn't unusual. Yeah. Yeah. And the Giants win uh, eight to nothing, leading to I'm gonna call it right here. I know everybody loves the coffee headline, but this is my favorite and I believe the greatest headline in San Francisco Chronicle history. I'm with you. Have you seen a better one? No. We murder the bums. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it was on both the front page, and a slightly different version was on the front page of the sports section too. So yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's a great headline.
1: Uh, opening day, nineteen fifty eight, um, and then two years at Seal Stadium. Um, they sold th- out every game. Sold out every game. They moved to Candlestick when it was more of a baseball looking park. It it had the fence in the back, and oh. you could see see beyond that fence you could see the East Bay you could see the East Bay and then um, and then played there for a long time and then the AT&T Park did you go to any opening days Bill I went to a couple opening days at Candlestick Um, I'm
0: actually hoping to go actually I supposedly have a ticket for for the for the game next week and that will be my first opening day at at, at AT AT&T so I'm 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 stoked
1: Yeah, you should be stoked. Um, (laughs) That'll be a good one. I I have gone to one opening day. It was my first year working here, although it was at the Examiner because the Examiner and Chronicle merged in 2000, but I got hired by the Examiner in 99. Um, I am low, low, low man on the totem pole working the morning cop shift. Um, Our regular cops reporter was gone. And I mean, just one of the, probably least desirable shifts because i've got to get up at like four in the morning to make cop calls and find out who got killed last night in san francisco Um, very first game at AT at&t park our like ad vp and editor-in-chief and publisher are going we have like four to six seats and some meeting comes up or something and someone can't go like last minute hey i've got a ticket can we give it away and i'm coming off my shift so at like eleven thirty, I find out I'm going to the game. Um, I got to go. I, I like ran down there, got there right as the whatever F-14s are flying overhead, and then I got a story out of it, Bill. I bet you did. I, I did. <laughs> I got a story out of it. This is you know, 1999, pre cell phone cameras, pre uh, even digital cameras were very very rare and basic then, and somebody had brought. Do you remember those old Kodak Fun Savers, the disposable Kodak cameras? Oh yeah. You know, well anyway, someone had brought one of those to the game, gotten there three hours early, taken a full array of photos leading up, I mean beautiful photos, you know, of this brand new ballpark, photos of the guys, and then um, lost the camera at the snack bar. Oh no. So I picked it up, developed the photos, and tried to track the guys down, including going up in the stands where they were shooting the photos from, thinking they might be season ticket holders. They're not there. We did everything to try to track these guys down. And then finally I wrote a story. Are you these guys? We put it on the front page of the Examiner. Found them, two guys from San Jose. Uh, The Giants let them throw out the first pitch at the game. So I follow them to go cover this. These guys are getting crazy drunk. This is its own episode, Bill. I'm sorry, but <laughs> this, these guys get this is cra- a great story. crazy, crazy drunk in the parking lot. I'm following them. They go by Kruk and Kipe, and by that time, they're like four beers into the <laughs> evening. Uh, Kruk's like, so you're gonna throw in the first pitch, huh, guys? Uh, and they're like, yeah, you got any advice? He goes, don't throw a fastball. <laughs> it never works to throw a fastball. So, of course, they're gonna throw fastballs. I find out, again, 10 minutes before like the game's gonna start, they're like, oh, we have only one bullpen catcher and both these guys are gonna throw a ball. Peter, would you like to catch the ball? No. I went on the field, caught a ball, um, I'm left-handed, they gave me a right-handed mitt, I think it was like Wendell Kim's mitt or something, and I was so scared because these guys were drunk and I knew he was gonna throw a fastball and I'm not wearing any protective gear, <laughs> I mean the ball bounces, it's devastating. Right. Um, luckily my guy threw a pretty tight fastball the other guy threw it in the dirt but the bullpen catcher caught it so sorry bill that was a long story it's a great
0: story it's got it 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 beats anything i can throw out for opening day i did go to an opening day in 1976 or 77 and johnny tamargo a backup catcher would would hit the game-winning home run in the gym and and we and we left with a win
1: nice that's a good feeling you remember it now so it was a great day yeah um I have reader questions. Let's go for it. I'm super excited about this. I don't know about you, but in my life, of all the things I do, and I interview some famous people, I review movies, I think now I get more questions about the archive. Um, I think people find this place fascinating, and rightfully so. Reader questions. I I thought I'd send a few out there. Sounds like fun. Yeah, so first one, the the first two are frequently asked questions. Have you ever seen a ghost in the archive, Bill? (laughs) Uh, I have not. I have
0: not. But I've talked to a couple people who swear they've seen a ghost down here. But I I personally have have not seen one. So you've been here since? 1985. But like I said, for a long time, the the photos were up there on the third floor. Yeah. But since they've been in the basement, you would think I would. But so far, all all I've seen is a couple cockroaches run through.
1: Yeah, I've seen those too. my answer to that question is, no, I have not seen a ghost. And I don't even get scared down here because I think the kinds of ghosts that would be down here would be friendly ghosts. It wouldn't be like the...
0: Maybe librarian ghosts. Maybe
1: librarian ghosts or photographer ghosts or maybe Jerry Garcia might cruise through here and look for those old debutante photos. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do feel like there have been times when I'm looking for photos or looking for a negative pack. And the thing that I'm looking for is really specific. And then I find something that is so in tune with what I'm looking for that it feels like, uh, I don't know how to explain this, but like some photo editor in the 1940s or 1950s filled out the assignment for me. Like they knew what I was looking for and sent a photographer out to get those photos. And there's something eerie about it sometimes when I'm looking for something and I find just precisely what I'm looking for in the amount of detail that it feels like I've assigned a photo to a photo editor in the 40s or 50s. I've,
0: I've had a similar experience where, where I found something that I wasn't looking for that was more exciting than what I was looking for, you know. Um, yeah. I was looking for, for some shots of Bob Dylan and right behind Bob Dylan was Photos of Amelia Earhart or negatives of Amelia Earhart just before she flew flew out of Oakland on on her final trip. Yeah, It was fantastic.
1: Second question, frequently asked question. Do you find things in the archive um, that are too racy and appropriate to print?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Carol Dota file. Exactly, yes. Uh, there are photos in the Carol Dota file that... No newspaper in America would have printed, so I can only think that whatever photographer was assigned was, I don't know, doing it for their own amusement, or maybe they thought we would, you know, put a bar over parts of her body, but Carol Dota comes to my mind.
0: Absolutely. that's a, that's a, There are a couple other uh, notorious um, um, North Beach uh, stars yeah. who, whose photos are... We, we will not run those photos probably ever again.
1: Yeah, and, and um, Carol Doda, for anyone wondering, she was a very groundbreaking um, exotic dancer uh, at the Condor Club in North Beach, really propelled the North Beach scene and then became, up until her death a few years ago, a very... Um, you know, uh, visible figure in San Francisco history.
0: Well, she started the topless craze Yeah, back in the early
1: sixties. And a lot of it was the marketing. I mean, we have a photo of her running across a field in the Presidio, which I mean probably was a federal offense, but she's in the grass just running naked. So, um, okay. Next, uh, photos from, um, uh, Gabe Meline from he works at KQED. Uh, he's uh, writes pop art stuff with KQED. A lot yeah. of band stuff. He's an old school uh, Bay Area guy from Santa Rosa. Was in a very popular punk band. And um, Gabe's great and active on Twitter and and loves the history stuff and has written some history stuff. Great question. Have you ever found crop lines on an image that changed the story by excluding something in the photo? A Hmm, I see what the editor did here and it's kind of shady discovery. Well, I I'm not sure if it's shady, but there there's a shot of Jerry Garcia
0: yeah. at at Pink Pen's funeral and the photo was cropped in such a way to where they made his beard look neater. Yeah. And they sort of gave him a haircut, so he basically looked more pre- <laughs> more presentable in the photo than he probably ever
1: looked. I I think that's the classic example um I think I see a lot of bad crops. I see a lot of crops where um, what we ended up using tells nothing of this greater story and this photographer shot this million dollar photo that we've you know, basically cropped down to someone's head.
0: I, I have that experience a lot where I, I silently curse the, the, the person who put the crop marks on the photo because they often will just be looking for a mugshot yeah. and they completely obliterate What is
1: a fantastic scene? Um, One more thing about the crop lines. I found uh, picket signs and other signage where someone took a pen or used something to write in the letters on the sign to make them bolder, which I have ethical questions with. And I found one once. It was a a protest in front of um, the hate theater uh, which was gonna become, a, I think, a gay theater. And when I took off what was written on it, what was originally written on it was a little bit different. I, I, so I found that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, crop marks, I, don't, I can't think of a time where there was just a ruse involving crop marks. Mary Colleen Tinney, uh, at MC Tinney on Twitter, says, can regular people request photos from the archives? Is there a process?
0: Well, if they send me an email, I can look. And um, depending on how they want to use it, um, we, we can typically get 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 a reprint copy. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a, if it's a staff photo. Yeah.
1: yeah. The, the most common thing is if the 49ers or the Giants or someone making a book or something wants a lot of stuff, then we enter in a financial relationship. When people ask me... Um, I go to the photo editor, and mm-hmm. then there's a process. And you can pay to have photos from the Chronicle. We also on our website, SF Chronicle, www.sfchronicle.com. They've already uploaded a bunch of photos there. It may not be the one you're looking for, um, but we have a bunch of photos there. And I'm hoping that store expands. I'd love to, you know, have cross-promoted on my podcast, and I'd love to pick a bunch of photos out and kind of curate a store. But you can buy some photos there. And then there are issues, too, with um, reproduction rights involving people. Right. If we were in New York, our photos of the Sex Pistols, the Grateful Dead, Willie McCovey, we could sell those on our site and take all the money. Um, Because we're in California, um, photos that are of someone that are focused on their likeness, we can't use? There's... Definitely uh, rights issues. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think we would have to pay them a a royalty or um, something that we haven't gotten
1: into yet. Yeah. Um, Lisa McElroy, CaptiveWW on Twitter. uh, You got any photos of that infamous Giants-Dodgers doubleheader at Candlestick in 1988? I I was there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) With the headline, Hooliganism! It was the game that led to the no beer after the seventh inning rule at the park. I saw three fistfights in my section alone, cops running everywhere. It was also the last game where you could jump down from the bleachers
0: when there was a home run. Because yeah. there, there used to be a grass area right be, behind the fence. Uh-huh. And when there's a home run, fans would jump down there to get the ball. And wow. that was the last game that, that you could do that because it just got out of hand. So tell me about this game, Bill. You well, were there. It was a twilight doubleheader. Uh huh. Um, against uh, the Dodgers, and it, by this time they almost never had doubleheaders anymore. And and when it was a Dodger night game, you know, often they would stop serving beer really early. Like uh-huh. I remember one game where they stopped selling beer in like the second inning. Wow, it was just you know because it would just get out of hand. And um, I saw some incredible fights at Giant Dodger games before yeah. and. um this one that the Giants, I think they, I'm pretty sure they lost both games. They didn't play very well, and the fans just, I think they got to the park drunk, and you know a lot of them, and they can, you know, of course they're, you know, it, again it's it it's the minority who make the make the biggest splash, but yeah. it was. People were were pretty intoxicated from beginning
1: to end. How, how are you? What was your state? I was fine, thank you. You were fine because because <laughs> I think enough times passed, statute of limitations yeah. from '88. You, you didn't get any fisticuffs sir?
0: no fisticuffs. No, I I, I can. Safely say, never got into a brawl at 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 the baseball game.
1: Well, the headline was Doubleheader Hooligans. Um, I'm looking at it right now on yeah. my phone. Uh, Ray Ratto co-wrote it. And uh, Giants officials beefed up security at Candlestick Park last night after rowdy fans caused a ruckus that led to 30 arrests and the ejections of 100 people from the park. Um, the president and the general manager both... Uh, spoke of their great embarrassment. Um, the players were horrified, like apologizing to Kirk Gibson, who had batteries thrown at him, and uh, led to some changes. Which,
0: well, that's you know, throwing stuff at the players is is absolutely Denver okay.
1: So, last question uh, from Tom Nurerberg, Jack. Clark photos, please. Tom has been asking me for patiently for like three years to go into the Jack Clark file and write something on it. And have you seen the Jack Clark file?
0: I haven't yet. It's, but
1: it's spectacular. I'm sure. Jack Clark
0: was a, was a heck of a player. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm going to talk to the Giants. They're doing their 60th anniversary, and I, I want to get a couple of players in here. I'm going to see if Jack Clark's going to come out, and we can do an ambush on memory lane with him and show him the photos, get him to set, uh, tell some stories.
0: Oh, I bet he's got great stories. So, so
1: Tom Neuerberg. I like reader questions. Me too. I, I think we should do this again. Let's yes. do another archives live here, and um, and we'll get some more reader questions. Those are fun. Um, I want to thank you. I enjoy working with you so much. This I, is always a good time down here. Yeah. I, I think it was about 10 years ago I came to you asking for a photo of a two-headed snake, and you gave me the keys, and it changed my job. and um you know, you've just been so open about this place, and really encouraging of anything I can do to get the these these photos and, and negatives out into the world. So thank you very much. It's well, been fun.
0: Well, I think it's I, I I think it's great that it's that we can both get these photos digital. We can get them out to where people can can see him i think it's definitely a win-win yeah so
1: 1958 opening day we're both going to do something about it i think back to back i'm going to focus on the game and you're going to get a little broader about the giants coming to town right Um, i've got some great shots of the parade excellent so we'll get that and um the big event 1958 opening day thank you very much for joining me bill this was a blast all right thanks bill You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Bill Van Niekerken. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.